Thank you again so very, very much. <clears throat> Praise team, what wonderful music and time singing to the Lord together this morning. I'm very grateful. Thank you, Julie, for that prayer this morning as well. Uh, one of the greatest statements made about the Bible was made by Augustine. And um, Augustine was a uh, pastor in about the 4th century in North Africa. And this is what he said. He said, the New Testament is hidden in the Old Testament, and the Old Testament is revealed in the New Testament. And how true that statement is. New Testament truth is seen hidden in the Old Testament ceremonies, types, prophecies, and sacrifices. And then the true meaning of those ceremonies, types, prophecies, and sacrifices are clearly revealed in the New Testament. So the result is you really can't understand the Old Testament without the New Testament explaining what is hidden. And you really can't see the background of the truths in the New Testament without the Old Testament. What an amazing book the Bible is, isn't it? Forty authors written over a period of 1,000 years, yet it has one message, and it has an amazing, amazing unity. Now, one place where this is clearly seen uh, is in the Lord's Supper. Let me ask you, how do you understand the Lord's Supper if you don't know about the Passover? And how do you really understand the true meaning of the Passover if you don't understand the Lord's Supper? This morning, as we continue in Mark chapter 14, we are coming to Mark's account of the establishment of the Lord's Supper. You know in these chapters we are just uh, hours now from the crucifixion. And as Jesus institutes what we call the Lord's Supper, the Lord's Table, Communion, He explains to us it's all about the gifts that He is our Savior gives to us. Would you open your Bibles and turn to Mark 14? If you'd like to follow along in the chair Bible in front of you, it is page 1011, and I want to read for us verses 22 through 26, and ask that you would follow along in God's Word. The Bible says to us, and as they were eating, he took bread and after blessing it, he broke it and gave it to them, and he said, Take, this is my body. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, and they all drank of it. And he said to them, This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many. Truly I say to you, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. And when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. Let's bow for prayer. Lord Jesus, you gave to your church two ordinances, two ceremonies, baptism and the Lord's table. And baptism occurs once fairly early in the Christian life, that it might seal our 
trust and commitment to you. And then the Lord's table is done regularly throughout the Christian life that we might have the central truths of our faith driven home to us time and time again that we might truly know what it means to be a Christ one, a Christian. Savior, You knew the power of illustrations. You knew the power of symbols. And so You graciously gave us these ordinances. Today, help us to see the background of all that You were teaching in the Passover and the fulfillment of it in the Lord's table and the gifts that we have because of our Savior. In His name we pray. Amen. First gift that Jesus is teaching us about in the Lord's Supper is the gift of His life. Now, the Passover is called by the Jews the Seder meal. The word Seder means order or procedure. And as the meal would progress, there were four stages that were marked by four distinct cups of wine. Uh, the first cup at the beginning of the meal is called the cup of the Kaddush. That word Kaddush means separation. And the Passover was separate from all other meals. So as the meal began, the head of the household would take the first cup He would pray over it, and then it would be passed around, and all would drink from it. Then after that, the food was brought in. Unleavened bread, bitter herbs, greens, stewed fruit, and roast lamb. Uh, The youngest boy in the household would always ask this question, Why is this meal different this night, Father? And the father then would explain the events of the Passover from the book of Exodus. Following that, uh, Psalms 113 and 114, the Hallel Psalms were sung. Hallel means praise God. And so they would sing those Psalms praising God for past and future salvation. Following that, a second cup would be taken. And this cup is known as the cup of the Haggadah. Haggadah means explaining or proclaiming. And the elements that were on the Seder plate would be explained with this prayer. The head of the family would pray, this is the bread of affliction, which our forefathers ate in the land of Egypt. Whosoever is hungry, let him come and eat. Whoever is in need, let him come and keep the Passover with us. And then each element of the Seder meal was explained, starting clockwise at the top all the way around. Here is a traditional Jewish Seder plate with the main elements on it. Uh, At the top, bitter herbs, usually horseradish. And that exemplified the bitterness of slavery in Egypt. Uh, The lamb's shank bone, which reminded them of the lamb's blood that was spread upon the doorposts of the house. The eating of the meal inside of the house. And then the angel of death who came 
and killed all the firstborn of the Egyptian families, but passed over all the Jewish homes that had the lamb's blood spread on the doorpost and on the lintels. Next was parsley and lettuce. And the parsley was dipped in salt water to remind the Jews of their tears during slavery. Then next was stewed fruit. It resembled the color of mortar to remind them of the bricks that they made for Pharaoh in the bitterness of their slavery in Egypt. Finally, a hard-boiled egg was added because eggs are the symbol of life. And therefore, for the Jewish people, they are the symbol of hope and future deliverance. And then what the head of the household would do is he would take a piece of unleavened bread, Jewish matzah. He would break it and distribute it along with fruits and herbs. Now, normally, the distribution was done in silence, but I want you to notice Jesus broke the silence. As he distributed the broken, unleavened bread, he said in verse 22, Take, this is my body. Now, I want you to think about the meaning of this for a moment. Clearly, since Jesus was physically present, he was not speaking literally, was he? I owe this insight to our elder Dave Petrovich, but he said one time this could not have been the literal body and blood of Jesus because he was physically present. And I'd never thought about that. But since this is the very first communion, it is the pattern for all the communions to come. So what Jesus meant was, this represents my body. It is a memorial, it is not a sacrifice. Now in the Bible, bread stands for life. Bread was the staple of life. When Jesus said, pray, give us this day our daily bread, what he was saying is we are to pray, Lord, give us what we need for our life. And so think about what Jesus means. In the bread, Jesus means He gives us Himself His very life. I think the best place in the Bible for us to understand the spiritual meaning of what Jesus is talking about is in John's Gospel, chapter 6. And I I want you to turn over there with me for just a moment in your Bibles because uh, Jesus is the own explainer of what he means when he says the bread is a symbol of him giving us his life, giving us himself. And I want you to notice as Jesus explains it in this wonderful passage where he says, I am the bread of life, we discover there are at least four things that are involved. Look at them with me. Number one, he is the source of spiritual life. Look at verse 35 in John 6. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, 
And whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Drop down to verse 53. And notice what he said. So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink His blood, you have no life in yourself. Now we all know what happens when we eat bread. It goes into our stomach. It is digested. Uh, The nutrients from that food enter into the bloodstream and they give our bodies health and strength. So, in a way, spiritually, Jesus is saying He is the source of our spiritual life. Without Him, we can't know, we can't enjoy, we can't obey, or we can't live for God. But when we receive the Lord Jesus and and He comes to live within us spiritually, the Holy Spirit imparts divine life to us. We are made alive and Christ begins to live and work in us. Notice secondly, He satisfies the soul. Did you notice what Jesus said in verse 35? Whoever eats of me will never hunger and never thirst. Water quenches thirst. Food alleviates hunger. So Jesus says He alleviates or satisfies our longing for God. And then notice next, He gives us eternal life. Look down at verse 51. I'm the living bread that came down from heaven If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. Bread only sustains physical life for a short period of time and then you have to eat again. But Jesus is saying, He gives life that lasts beyond death into eternity in heaven so that we will never hunger spiritually again. And then notice, he makes it very clear that he is received by faith. Look back again at verse 35. Whoever believes in me will never thirst, he said. It is not a physical eating of Jesus that brings life, but it is a coming to Him in faith that brings His life. In fact, look at verse 40, which is so very clear. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in Him should have eternal life, and I will raise Him up on the last day. That's how it happens. Look on Him. See who He is and what He has done. And then with a deep, deep trust, come to Him, committing your life in faith to Him. And that's how He becomes your very life. Do you know, I read that one out of every five Americans say that life is meaningless. Think about that. One out of every five says life has no purpose. So think about this as as we walk to and fro in the store or on the street, 
as we pass people in our cars or relate to them on our jobs, one out of every five admits they are living a life with no ultimate or eternal purpose. But then think of this. Every time we take that bread and we lift it to our mouth and we eat it during the communion service, Jesus Christ is proclaiming to us, we have life and we have it more abundantly. What an amazing thing. You see, the communion service is telling us we have the gift of His life. Let's look at the second gift. Gift number two is the gift of His salvation. Now, in the third stage of the Passover, after the breaking of bread, the meal proper was eaten. The Old Testament said it had to be finished by midnight, and the entire lamb had to be eaten. And if there were any leftovers, they could not be kept over until the next day. They had to be destroyed. At this point, the host would take the third cup, which was the cup of thanksgiving. And in the cup of thanksgiving, what he would do is he would pray this prayer. Let me read it for you. May the all-merciful one make us worthy of the days of the Messiah and of the life of the world to come. He brings the salvation of his King He shows covenant faithfulness to His anointed, to David, and to His seed forever. He makes peace in His heavenly places. May He secure peace for us and for all Israel. And you say, Amen. Now the prayer over this cup referred to Israel as God's covenant people. And the prayer said this, They are awaiting His new covenant salvation that will come in the days of the Messiah. And so what does Jesus do? Jesus picks up on that prayer and He says back in Mark 14 and now in verse 24, This is My blood of the covenant which is poured out for many. Let's just pause for a moment here this morning. Jesus is revealing here the meaning of the cup. What does the cup that that we lift and lift to our lips every time we take communion, what does it mean? Well, here's the meaning from the words of Jesus. To begin with, the red wine symbolizing blood indicated that Jesus would die a sacrificial death. It speaks of His sacrificial death. That when He died on the cross, that His death would be an atoning death. It would be a sufficient payment for the sins of the world. And the wrath of God against all mankind would be satisfied in what the God-man did as He died on the cross. Secondly, Jesus said that His blood would be poured out. That is a quotation from 
the greatest prophecy about the suffering Messiah in Isaiah 53:12 and it meant that Jesus would experience a violent death do you know that poured out literally means gushed out it was a word that was used of murder And Jesus' death on the cross was nothing but a violent, violent murder. And then Jesus said, this blood of the covenant is gushed out for many. Again, a quotation from Isaiah 53, 11 and 12. And here it means Jesus would die a substitutionary death that He would die for all people as their representatives. And then when Jesus finally said, it is the blood of the covenant, it would be a blessed death. Because just as the old covenant blessings were received through the shedding of blood, so the wonderful new covenant blessings would be secured with blood as well. The blessings of forgiveness, of fellowship with God, and eternal salvation. So what does the cup mean? Jesus' death was sacrificial. Jesus' death was violent. It was a substitutionary death in our place, and it was a blessed death because it secures all the blessings of salvation for God's people. This past week, um, in honor of the 500th anniversary of the Reformation that took place 500 years ago, starting with Martin Luther, I decided to purchase the definitive volume that explains the Reformation faith by Pastor John Calvin, The Institutes of the Christian Religion. I am 500 years late in reading it. But I figured better late than never. And I want you to listen to what Pastor Calvin had to say as he talked about what the true meaning of the cup of the Lord is. Listen to this. The rule which the godly ought always to observe is whenever they see the symbols instituted by the Lord, to think and feel surely persuaded that the truth of the thing signified is also present. For why does the Lord put the symbol of His blood into your hands, but just to assure you that you truly partake of it? And all God's people said, Every time we hold that cup in our hands, because Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me, He is proclaiming to us that we participate in what that cup symbolizes. And as we drink that cup, we can say, forgiven. I'm forgiven. I have all the blessings of salvation. What a wonderful thing Jesus has given us. Let's notice the third gift. Thirdly, 
gift number three is the gift of His kingdom. The gift of His kingdom. And I want you to notice what Jesus said in verse 25. Truly I say to you, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. Now after the third cup, the second part of the Hallel Psalms were sung. Psalms 115 to Psalm 118, praising God for past deliverance and future deliverance. And then there was a fourth cup. This was the cup of consummation that concluded the meal. But I want you to notice this. From verse 25, it is possible that Jesus may have abstained from the fourth cup. Did you see what he said? I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. It's possible he may abstain from the fourth cup. Why? Well, the four cups in Passover were all interpreted on the fourfold promise of Exodus 6, verses 6 and 7. Let me read them for you. Say to the Israelites, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. I will free you from being slaves to them, and I will redeem you with my mighty acts of judgment. I will take you as my own people, and I will be your God. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God. All four cups were interpreted on the basis of this promise. And notice them. Cup number one, I will bring you out deliverance. Cup number two, I will rid you of their bondage, freedom. Cup number three, I will redeem you, redemption. And cup number four, I will take you for my people, and I will be your God, consummation. Now the third cup, the promise of redemption, Jesus associated with his sacrificial death. But in the fourth cup, the cup of consummation, Jesus may have refused to drink this cup because it is associated with God's promise to take His people to be with Himself. You see, the Jews often viewed God's kingdom like a banquet. The prophets promise an unending supply of new wine in the kingdom age. By the way, remember Jesus' very first miracle? An, end, an unending supply of new wine. He was saying the king has arrived. And someday the king will bring the kingdom with him. In that kingdom there would be renewed table fellowship. And unending joy in the master's presence. So for Jesus, the fourth cup symbolized the banquet and the promise of victory in the kingdom. Julie's prayer was right on target. Jesus looked beyond the cross to the resurrection and the second coming. He looked to the defeat of sin, Satan, and death, and to the gathering of us to Himself. 
That's what the fourth cup symbolized. You know, this week I was asked a very uh, interesting question. A man this week said to me, uh, when he learned I was a pastor, he said this, Is Satan winning? I've never ever heard a question like that. There's a first time for everything, isn't there? But I know why he asked that question. We just had the worst mass murder by a single gunman in American history in Las Vegas. Still reeling from that, a terrorist driven by ISIS in New York City murdered eight more people and injured many more as he mowed them down in a rented truck. And then as we were reeling from that, we just had the worst mass murder in American history in a church in Sutherland Springs, Texas. And I know why someone would say to me, Pastor, is Satan winning? What's the answer? There's a fourth cup. Right? In fact, read it with me. Join me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until He comes. There is a fourth cup in the Passover. It is the cup of consummation. He is coming again. And the words of Exodus ring down to us today. When He comes again, I will take you for My people and I will be your God. I cannot help but think of these words in 1 Corinthians 2 verse 9. Eye has not seen, neither has ear heard, nor has it ever entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for those who love Him. The kingdom is coming, and Jesus will not fail. How wonderful all of this is. Every time we eat this bread, every time we drink from this cup, we know that by personal faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, we have His life, we have His salvation, and the certainty of His kingdom. That's what the Lord's Supper is teaching us. All God's people said this morning, Amen. Let's bow together, shall we? And let's thank Him. If you are here today,
and you are not sure that you belong to Jesus Christ. When Paul said that as we eat the bread and drink the cup, we proclaim the Lord's death, what he meant is we preach it. Communion is a preaching service. And today, the central truths of our faith, what Jesus accomplished for you, are preached as we take communion and as you watch others take it. And possibly today, you're not sure that you know Jesus, that He lives in your heart, that His life has become your life, that you have all the benefits of His salvation, and you know for sure you're headed to His kingdom. And if you're not sure today, you can be sure. You can say, Lord Jesus, I, I know that my sins put you on the cross. You weren't dying for anything that you did wrong. You were dying for all the wrong that I've done. And you can say, Lord Jesus, I believe you are God and man. I believe you died for my sins and you rose again. And you can say, Lord, right now in my heart I want to repent. I want to turn from living life on my terms and in my way. And I want to turn to you. Lord Jesus, come into my heart and be my Savior. Come into my life and be my Lord. Forgive me of my sins. Give me your very life within. And make me a child of God. And then you can say, now Lord Jesus, because I believe your word, as a child of God, I will now follow you with all of my heart. God helping me. For those of us who are believers today, isn't it interesting that you cannot take communion individually, isolated, by yourself? It's a communal meal. And Jesus intended it to teach us that we are part of His body, the church, and we are to be intimately involved with that church as we serve the Lord Jesus Christ together. And maybe you're here today and you're not intimately involved in the church of the Lord Jesus. Maybe you're somewhat isolated from it. And Jesus would say to you, if you're not involved in my church, in a local church, you're not truly following me. And every time you partake of communion, you are failing to understand that you're now part of a family, and you need that family, and that family needs you. And so communion proclaims to us that we are to follow Jesus in the context of a body that we might support, encourage, and help one another in our Christian walk. 
And if you need to come to grips with that aspect of what communion means, Jesus is speaking to you today and wants to help you as you follow Him. Lord, thank You for Your wonderful teaching of us today. Thank You for the richness and fullness of it in both Testaments. Thank You more importantly that the wonderful realities of it are ours as we walk this life with a wonderful and faithful Savior. And it's in His name that we pray with great thanksgiving. Amen. This morning, if you have made any kind of a spiritual decision and you'd like to share that with me or someone else, we welcome that. Whatever we can do to perhaps answer any questions about our church or about the Christian life, we're here to do that. And so you feel free to call on us. Let's, uh, let's stand together. And I love this song. I think it's so appropriate. There are three very simple and wonderful verses. And as we close out on verse 3, we'll be dismissed for today. Our pastors and their wives, our elders and their wives will join you out in the lobby to greet you and welcome you here today. So let's sing together, shall we? There is a Redeemer.